Thank you for joining us today for the Oakwood Baptist Church podcast. This episode was recorded at the Home Builder Sunday School class, which Pastor Jones teaches at Oakwood. The lessons are taken from the book, The Ministry of Marriage, by Jim Benny. Well, we're going to conclude our series on the ministry of marriage um, today, and I'm going to try and uh, start a series, I believe I've been talking to you about uh, what biblical friendship is, and what it looks like, how to cultivate it. I would like to talk about that moving forward. As you know, in our class, we like to do uh, something on marriage and then Christian living and then on um, uh, just uh, raising children. And so that's kind of the pattern that we, we go through. And so we're going to talk about Christian living and, and friendship. Um, so Luke chapter 5, let's just read a familiar story. I, I like these narrative accounts. In Luke chapter 5, it says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's. Now again, to give you a little context, this is early on in uh, his relationship with Peter. And of course, you know, I love Peter in the Bible. And this is early on, and I want you to get the imagery here. Uh, Jesus, Peter's still running his fishing business. Jesus comes. He's got this massive crowd of people. We know that a lot of times it seemed like Jesus would speak by the water using the amplification off of the water. And he just kind of hops into Peter's boat that's just kind of docked there as Peter is in the water washing and mending his nets. And it's like, I just imagine Peter kind of doing his thing, just kind of listening to Jesus do his thing. And it's kind of going on there. Uh, and, And it says there in verse 3, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down, he taught the people out of the ship. Now when he left speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught or for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am sinful. I am a sinful man, O Lord. I want you to see this morning, as we conclude this whole series of, of um, lessons on marriage, I, I want you to see that in this text, Peter had a fresh vision. He, he saw something that, in a new way that he hadn't seen before. And it was what he needed at the time. And so I want to conclude, I want to take some thoughts from this little text, and I, I, I want to conclude today about having a renewed vision. So as you move forward in your marriage relationship, I want you to have a renewed mi- a vision on what your marriage could be and should be. And I, we say this every once in a while here in our class. Listen, I understand we're ministering to people at different places all the time. If you have a struggling marriage, I want it to get stronger. If you have a good marriage, I want it to get to be a great marriage. If you have a great marriage, I want you to maintain it and keep it that way. Otherwise, left to itself, it's not going to be that. And so you have to have a renewed vision here and there of what your marriage should be and could be. And that's what we want to talk about. Um, I I heard a story. It's kind of a a preacher-type story. But there was a church with a sign that said, Where there is no vision, the people perish. And I know that that verse has many times been taken uh, out of its... uh, a proper meaning, but, but nevertheless, I like that idea where there is no vision, the people perish. 
And years later, a visitor came by and saw and the church had become dilapidated and it was all dusty and uh, quite empty. And what had happened is that sign, uh, the W had fallen off of the sign and nobody bothered to fix it. And so it just said, instead of where there is no vision, the people perish. It said, here there is no vision and the people perish. And so uh, we, we understand that, uh, that those kind of things can happen. A church can lose its focus uh, and, and, and many times other areas of, of our ministry and our life loses focus as well. And there's a perishing of sorts. Uh, think about it. I think moms and dads can lose their vision for parenting. It, it, it happens. It's easy for us to get our eyes off of the ultimate prize and get it put on things that don't matter as much for eternity. Listen, I understand you want to provide for your kids. But listen, don't make getting them the later, latest gizmo and gadget and the coolest tennis shoes displace the proper vision of what you're supposed to be doing as a parent. It's easy to say, hey, how are we going to pay for college? I heard some of you talking about that today. Listen, I understand those are burdens and, and they're, they're concerns. But listen, it's easy uh, to, to lose our vision for what we're ultimately trying to accomplish as parents. And what we need to accomplish as parents is we're trying to raise passionate followers of Jesus Christ. We're trying to disciple them uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't lose that. But it's, it's easy. It's easy for preachers to lose their vision for ministry. Again, we, we talked about my friend this morning, but, but it's, it's easy sometimes to, to get distracted from what, what you're ultimately trying to do. It's easy to get busy doing things that don't matter as much. And, and you have to be careful about that. I think Christians lose their vision for service in general. Um, you know, I, I think it's good for us sometimes. I was just reading in my devotions this morning about uh, Pete, or excuse me, Paul talking to Timothy in 1 Timothy about how God had saved him. And he was the chief of sinners and he, and he was overwhelmed by that. But it's easy for us, after years of being saved, to, to lose uh, our vision and lose our excitement over being saved and, and, and first coming to, the, to know the Lord and getting involved in His ministry and His church. It's easy to get over that kind of stuff. And we have to be careful about that. Well, it's not different for Christian marriages. It's easy for us to lose our vision as well. And so that's why this morning... I just want to give you some motivation and some encouragement that we need some renewed vision. You know, the Bible speaks of this idea of renewed. In fact, a couple years ago, that was our theme, the word renew. And uh, the Bible talks about renewed strength, doesn't it? Some of you know this verse, Isaiah 40 and verse 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And so we need renewed strength. There's no doubt about that. The Bible speaks about having a renewed mind. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, what, or how? By the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We've got to renew our mind. That's what we're doing here this morning. That's what you do every time you come to a preaching service, is you're allowing the Word of God to affect the way that you think so that you can change the way that you live. And we need to renew our mind because, listen, let's just be honest. We live in, a, in this world, don't we? we? We work with people who have secular ways of thinking. We listen to radio. We listen to news. We, we watch TV. We, we are affected by the way the world thinks. 
And we have to make sure that our mind gets renewed and reset to the proper way of thinking. And the Bible talks about that. The Bible talks about a renewed spirit. Psalm 51 and verse 10 is a great penitent, uh, a penitent psalm that David had when he had sinned and, and, and uh, failed God. And he said this, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Let's be honest. It's not just our kids that sometimes have a nasty attitude. Sometimes it's us. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had a bad attitude correcting my kids' bad attitudes, you know? And, and, and sometimes I need God to change me, to renew my spirit, to get me back where I need to be. And the Bible talks about all of these things. Why does it talk about that? Because it knows, the Word of God knows, the will of God knows, that sin has a way of hardening us. It has a way of making us very hard. The Bible talks about breaking up your fallow ground. And sometimes we, we, we get that way, we calcify, and we don't even know it's happening. There's this layer of hardness over us, over us, over us, and we get to a place, and everybody else around us can see how hard we are, and we don't always see it ourselves. Why? Because sin is deceitful. Satan is a liar. He's a deceiver himself. The flesh misleads us, and Satan blinds us. And the reasons for spiritual declension in our life vary, but they result in the same thing, and that's coldness in our relationships towards one another and towards God. Remember, God talks about how, how this right here, our vertical relationship with Him, affects our horizontal relationship with other people. It absolutely does. This right here, when we grow cold right here, we start to grow cold with people around us. We can be, that's why the Bible talks about husbands. Don't be bitter against your wives. Uh, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. It talks about uh, wives. Teach other wives how to love their husbands and their children. Why? Because we know when we get cold here, when we get uh, uh, backward here, we get backward here. That's why people fall away from their church and other believers. It, 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 just, it just has a way of doing that to us. So I want to give you this morning, we'll come back to our text, I want to give you three areas where we need to readjust our focus in order to have a renewed vision. I want you to see this. Number one, focus on divine power rather than human ability. Focus on divine power rather than human ability. Look at verse 5. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, and I, just, I see Peter being a real snot right here. Whatever you say. And, and, and I just get the idea that Peter kind of had the attitude because we know Peter could have an attitude sometimes. But I think Peter was kind of thinking to himself or maybe he even said it because we don't have the full disclosure of the conversation. I can imagine Peter saying, you know, Jesus, I've never told you how to build cabinets. I've never told you how to preach sermons. Why are you telling me how to fish? I know how to fish. But if you insist. I mean, I, I can see him just kind of being snarky like that. And, and you understand what he says there. We've toiled all the night. You know, what, what, he's, what he's saying is, I, I have done everything I know to do. Okay, I've done this all night. And I've been doing this my whole life. So I tried every trick. We went to this section, we went to that section, we put the nets here, we dragged them this way, we tried that bait. He, he's basically saying, I have focused on my ability as a human being to do what is humanly possible. 
He was skeptical about the possibility of catching any fish because he had tried every trick in the manual for professional fishermen. That's what he was. But notice what he had failed to do. He had failed to factor in God's power. Because what takes place here was not some other human trick in the fishing textbook. It wasn't like Jesus said, well, you know, if you just, if you just hold the net at a different angle and you go to that cove right over there, then you're... No, it wasn't another human trick. This, this was a divine miracle that took place. Well, I want you to understand, man often becomes skeptical about the possibility of having a happy marriage. You know, we make jokes about this. Sitcoms, sitcoms have thrived for years making jokes about how difficult marriage is and how horrible it is. I mean, you can go all the way back to the black and white honeymooners and stuff like that. I mean, you, you, you understand that, that we make jokes all the time. I, I, they're limitless. Just go on the Internet. You know, I never knew what happiness was until I got married. And then it was too late. You know, I mean, like, we can joke about this kind of stuff all the time. But the problem is, is in our culture, in our world, people fail to factor in the power of God in their relationships. And I believe this, that when you have two people who are saved, they both have the Holy Spirit residing in their life, there isn't a single problem that they can't get through and resolve if both of them are filled with the Holy Spirit and determined to fix that problem. The issue is, is what happens is we, we just try to do it on our own in our own resources. And we think because we've tried everything that we know to do, well, then it's futile. It doesn't work. And that's not true. I think I've told you before, this was several years ago. Minnie and I were just rejoicing uh, recently because this year in May will be our 25th wedding anniversary. And it's just, it's just hard for us to believe that we've been married uh, that long, honestly, and and uh, I remember years ago, we were still living in North Carolina, and it was like our 12th, 12th or 13th wedding anniversary. And I've told this story before, but uh, we, we went to a, a, a nice restaurant in Raleigh, North Carolina. If you're ever in that area, I'd recommend it to you. It's called the Angus Barn. It, it really looks like a barn. I mean, it's just a barn, and the back tucked in the middle of nowhere. But, but it's, it's, uh, it's a very, like, fancy steakhouse is what it is and so you go in there and I mean they, they I don't know if they still do but at the time they had a maitre d I mean he's wearing a tuxedo he had a little towel over his arm and you're like man this is way hoity too hoity toity for Mike Jones you know and so uh, but I had reservations and we were there and they they I mean it's just a it's just a cool place I, I would recommend if you ever go in fact Minnie and I need to just take a road trip and go back there for old time's sake so anyway uh, I remember they you know they they, they walk us back to, to our table. And, I, I, you know, when you make a reservation, they want, you to, they want to know why it is. I said, it's our anniversary. And, 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 and so he pulls the chair out for Mindy, which I always hate that because it makes you look like a schlub, you know. And so she's looking at me like, uh-huh, look at this guy, right? And so, uh, like, we're, we're like, you know, and, and the maitre d' is like, well, I understand that it's, I can't remember, but I understand it's your 13th wedding anniversary. And, and I, I still remember this. The guy looks at me and he goes, he goes, Mr. Jones, please do tell me, what is the secret to success of 13 years of happy marriage? I wasn't prepared for this question, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking ribeye. That's what I was thinking. And, and, and I remember sitting there, like, like, I was totally taken off guard. And I was like, ah. And I remember just, it, I blurted out, compromise. You have to give and 
take. And I remember the guy just looked at me and went, very well, sir. And he left. And, and my, Mindy is just looking at me like, really? Like, the, the preacher man, that's what you came up with, right? You know, and I'm thinking like, I was thinking, I didn't know I was going to take a test. I would have studied, you know. But I, honestly, I, if, you know, if you could do a do-over, I, I would have rather said, you know, it, it's the Lord in our relationship. It's living by His principles that makes the difference in our life. Because you take two sinners and put them together, you know you're going to have some friction, you're going to have some problems. And look, some of you might say, oh man, we've been married for as long as you have, and boy, it has been a bed of roses. Yeah, but if you're being honest, if you're really evaluating, there have been bumps in the road at times. And the reason that you were able to deal with those bumps and get through those things is because of the divine work of God's grace in your life. Notice it back in our text when we talk about this. Peter had respect for him when he called him master. In verse 5, master. He was showing deference. He was showing some respect there. But it wasn't until all of this happened and the big draft of fish and everything, he comes down in verse 8 and he doesn't call him master. He calls him Lord. Now, now all of a sudden something's quicking, uh, clicking in his mind and he sees him as he really was now. He didn't see him just as some expert. He didn't see him as some teacher. Now he sees him divinely as God. And it changed his perspective. And I want you to know this morning, um, I, I pull this quote out every once in a while, and it's a good one. Uh, Brother Doug preached out Isaiah 6 a couple of weeks ago and, and alluded to this as well. But A.W. Tozer said this, The low view of God entertained almost universally among Christians is the cause of a hundred lesser evils everywhere among us. And when we see God in a base way, we, we don't see God work in great ways. And I want you to see God in an elevated way as who He is and see Him divinely working in your life and making a difference. Don't focus on human ability. Focus on divine power. Because again, the great passage in Ephesians chapter 5, I call it the Magna Carta of the Christian home, there are 20 references to God in only 15 or 16 verses. Do you get the idea there? That He's trying to teach us something? That God is the key to making this thing work? All right, so, so number two, and I've got to hurry, i only got like six minutes here. Focus on supernatural miracles rather than natural laws. So again, the fish, like why, why did all this happen all of a sudden? Were the fish not there? Were they not biting? Like, like in Peter's mind, if that's the case, well, the fish just aren't there. They're not biting today. Well, Jesus couldn't change that. And I think that, again, kind of piggybacking on what we just said, Many couples feel the same way. They tried to the seminar. They went to counseling. They read this book. They, they applied this technique of communication. They studied hints even on how to spice up their sex life. And they've embraced uh, pop psychology. And, and they haven't seen any change. And they conclude that if that didn't work, then nothing works. Well, I, I, again, I, I just want to hit this home again. Marriage at its very core is a spiritual relationship. And spiritual relationships do not respond well to carnal techniques. It's like, putting a, it's like putting diesel fuel in your gasoline engine. That, that's, that, that doesn't work well. Um, you know, I, a couple of months ago or a little while ago, I, I drove the, the bus to Pensacola for the ball team. It's my responsibility to be the bus driver on that trip. 
And, um, you know, since you're the bus driver, you got to go fill the bus up. And, man, I, 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 maybe this seems silly to you, but, but when I got out, I was pretty positive that's a diesel engine. But I checked the dashboard. I checked the gas lid. I, I made sure that when I took the spigot out, that was a diesel. Th- I mean, I, I was like, I don't want to be down here in Montgomery, Alabama, and blow this $80,000 bus up. I, I want to make sure that the right thing is getting put in the right place. I'll let some, somebody else make that mistake, not me, right, you know? And, and, and listen, sometimes in our, in our jobs, our, you know, we're, we're meticulous and careful about that, but in our marriages, we try all these other things instead of what's really going to help us. And, and I want you to understand that focusing on God will bring you closer together. As we already talked about, our, our vertical relationship and our horizontal relationship, they are symbiotic. They work together. I mean, think about the spokes on a wheel. If God is the hub, spokes that start further apart, as they get closer to the hub, they get closer to each other. And, and it's true. And so we, we have to, again, focus on supernatural miracles rather than natural laws. Again, i got to hurry. Three, focus on the future instead of on the failures. You know, some people are blinded to the future because they're bound to the past. And we've got to stop that. Uh, think about who we're talking about here. We're talking about Peter. One thing I love about Peter is the transparency of his character in the Scriptures. Peter's successes are well documented. I mean, I can't think of a modern day preacher in the history of the New Testament church that preached a sermon and 3,000 people were saved and baptized and added to the church. I mean, that, that's unbelievable. So we know about his successes. We know how he walked on water. No other human being has ever done that outside of humanity mixed with deity and Jesus Christ. But at the same time, we well know his failures, don't we? We know when he misspoke. We know his irrational behavior. We know his impetuous behavior. We know his denial. But yet one thing you have to love about Peter is his persistency. Why? Because he was a man who decided not to live in his failures, but to focus on his future. There are enough failures in most marriages to discourage and embarrass all of us. There's enough. And I think that Satan enjoys pulling these skeletons out of the closet on occasion. Remember when you said this? Remember when you did this? Remember when you failed in this area? Yeah, I I think there are enough. But I want to remind you this morning that there are enough blessings in marriages to also encourage and motivate us. See, someone rightly said this, the past can be the anchor that weighs you down or it can be the rudder that guides you through. And it's true. It's true. Don't you love how Paul said this? Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. And and I wish I had time to elaborate more. I just don't this morning and that's fine. But it's amazing to think that the future can be even better than the past. I hope I'm talking to a group of people that say, man, I'll tell you what, I know married life has its ups and downs and has its bumps, but the truth of the matter is it's been pretty awesome. And I just can't imagine it getting much better than this. Well, the truth is, the closer you get to God and the closer you get to one another and the the greater God's grace works in your life, it can get better. The future can always be better. You say, man, we've just been through some difficult stuff. Well, listen, don't let the past drag you down. Focus on the future. You can't change what happened yesterday. But you can change what happens today. And God can bless you there. So again, 
I mentioned to you, Peter eventually came to see God clearly. By verse 8, he calls him Lord. What made the difference? What made the difference in the text? The text is found in that phrase, nevertheless, at thy word. Peter obeyed, and in his obedience, God revealed himself. And that's the key. We have to obey the Lord. And I think it's frustrating when you watch somebody that knows what to do and refuses to do it, and they're, therefore they're missing the blessings that God has for them. See, unfortunately for most couples, God is the place of last resort. They believe that there are other methods and resources to be tried, and if all else fails, God is there if they need Him. The cure for an empty heart and a cold marriage is the same for anyone, and that is that the Lord to make you to increase and abound in love toward one another. That's what we need today.